Welcome, ladies and gents, to another episode of the Sports Online Podcast, where we talk about football to fishing and everything in between. Today, we have another fishing episode. I've already lost count of which episode we're on. Porter, give me a rough estimate. I I think we're on episode four or five, one of the two. I don't know, but you're probably close enough anyway. Uh, Today, we have, like I said, yet another fishing episode, and this is probably the most expensive topic about fishing. And, Porter, what do you think it is? Boats. That's correct. It is about boats. So today, during this podcast, we're going to go over uh, what boats to use in different types of waters. Um, I think we will go... Well, no, I think we should go over our personal favorites. And uh, also, I mean, I know that we're not really classified to give recommendations, but... The general um, build for whatever water you're in. Yeah. So to start off, I think it would be cool for us to talk about our dream boat for fishing. All right. And the reason why I want to start with this first is because we'll so we'll we'll talk about it and then we'll uh, about our boat and then we'll dissect it. Uh, for the parts, and then we'll just get into more of the nitty-gritty stuff. So, uh, since I did the intro, Porter, um, non-intro people first. So, okay, so let's hear your my, dream boat. My dream boat? Well, I thing is... By the way, sport fishers are not allowed. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking about sport fisher. Can I do multiple boats? Because, like, I'm not going to be taking, like, a 26-foot cobia in shallow water. You get two two boats. Two boats. Okay, so my inshore boat that I'd use would be a, a um, not a bay boat, but like it's like a mix between a, a U-bottom, I guess. It's like a mix between a skiff and a V-bottom. It's like what um, Ashley's have, their boat. Yeah, isn't that it's called like a Mako? It might be, but I don't think it's Mako brand. But if you know um, what I'm talking about, it's like a mixture between a skiff and in a V bottom, so it's like the it's pretty much the body of a skiff, but it has like a little cut in the middle, so it can cut through waves better than a skiff. I'll find out what that is. Yeah, I get that with a probably 150 um, horsepower motor for Yamaha. I would do that as um, that's my dream inshore boat, and then for offshore, offshore fishing for going, you know, a couple miles off. I'd go for a probably a 26, 28-foot Cobia, maybe. If I want to push it, do like a 36-foot Freeman. Those are top tier. Those are pretty much sport fishers, but with um, a lot of sport fishers. They're pretty much like a, well, like a a big sport. It's like a small sport fisher boat, but a um, a V-bottom put together. And the the unique thing about the sport uh, the Freeman is that it's not a V bottom, it's is it like a bay boat? Is that what it would be? Uh, it's like the, what is the Freeman? A thirty six foot Freeman. They have like it's there's more on the it's like a V bottom on two sides and in the middle it's um isn't that a catamaran? A a Freeman? N- uh no well. Isn't that a catamaran? Is that like the type? I mean, yeah, a catamaran is like that. I then yeah, I'd say it's a catamaran esque boat. 
Um, it's a very nice boat. You could take it anywhere. You could even, I don't know if you could use it in shallow water. Probably, well, definitely not shallow water. But it's it could definitely get through big waves, even though it doesn't have like the the bulk in the front like a V bottom does. It's a very good boat. And um, a person, a YouTuber I used to watch, his name's Stan's Fam. He goes offshore fishing um, in a Freeman. They are very high quality boats. And if you are ever wanting, if you ever have a big budget and you're trying to get a, a long lasting boat, I'd say a Freeman seems like a pretty safe bet from what I've seen. Yeah, and Porter here is what a, the a catamaran looks like. It's so it's not like like a like a literal Freeman, but you see how it's got those two pillars and then open. Yeah, at the end, it's kind of like that. Anyway, so I'd say those are two very solid choices. For me, my two dream boats. If I had an inshore boat, I do like those. Um, like you're saying, the the U bottom or the whatever you want to call them boats but i would probably stick to just a regular flat bottom skiff um because i would also i also like going in really shallow when it comes to uh like marshes and you know when i want to i go really close to almost running aground and being able to actually make it without coasting over them or getting i mean without getting stuck. you know getting yeah getting stuck anyway um I would probably the brand. I mean, I also I like Jones Brothers and Carolina Skiffs, but the the size I would want would be either twenty two, twenty three, um, with a T top and uh, yeah, rod handle rod handles galore. Um, did you uh specify engine say, size? I said one fifty horsepower Yamaha. Okay. Yeah, so if I were had my skiff, it would definitely also be 150, nothing over the top. And the length of mine was 23 foot. Okay, and then if I had for my dream offshore boat, it would be a yellow fin, either a yellow fin or a Boston Whaler, the new ones. Um, ah, they're, actually, no, I'm going to just stick with yellow fin. Um, oh, for offshore, I thought you were talking about yeah. inshore. For offshore, it would be a yellow fin, center console, um... I would like to have downriggers to come with that as well. And I would, you know, okay, this is the hard decision because I know a lot of people have like the four motors on their boats. And I'm not saying it's, um, it's something I would necessarily not want, but at the same time I do. And I think they look awesome, but I do think somewhat that would be an overkill for me. Um, I would just, and as I say that, I still want a lot of horsepower on my boat. I would put two two fifties on the end, so that would be the two motors I would have on my yellow fin. And then we're going to go. I I think you know what, and Isaac doesn't need to know all the specs about all these boats, but Isaac, I want. And I'm speaking for Porter too. Porter, I want to know what are your two dream boats for inshore and offshore fishing. I haven't the slightest idea. Okay, that's fair enough. Well, you're in luck because today, and with our listeners, we are going to be discussing all about boats. So, let's move on to our first section of the. I feel bad for saying this because it's not. 
boats no we're gonna call it boats for rookies and i'm still not that pers- you, say, you say boats for dummies yeah that's what i was gonna say i don't want to say that um but i'm not a professional either so i'm kind of right there with you guys but let's go ahead and talk about the right boat for the right type of water so i'm gonna start off first and i am gonna be very very clear on this because i think this is very 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 important there is and you know i know a lot of people think more power is going to work for everything you know it's the best for all all waters but it is very i know i've said very very important so many times but it really is very important because if you use the wrong type of boat in the wrong water you could you will literally destroy the bottom of the boat if you are not careful cost you a lot it will cost you a lot of money especially if you run by oyster beds and it's high tide and you have a v-bottom boat in shallow water and you're not watching you will literally destroy the bottom of your boat so it's important that you have the right one so when you are in shallow water uh and that is like sandbars you know on the sound where the, well there's the potential of sandbars oysters uh marsh flats oyster beds uh i and i know people may have different opinions and say which one's work works better than the other but it is i keep saying it is important that you have a flat bottom boat or sort of a flat bottom boat if you have the potential of going over shallow water and then you have may have your specific brand you know everyone has their preferences but it's important to have a skiff yeah that's probably the best one for inshore and there are definitely and I want to get into the pros and cons. And Porter, I want you to list those out for a skiff because I know you know better than I. So for the pros, at least for inshore, um, I'd say the pros are it can go in shallow water, which is very good if you're trying to do um, like trout fishing or any sort of inshore fishing because shallow water is pretty important, especially in the winter months or just any time of the year if you're trying to sight fish. Having a boat that can go in shallow water is very useful. Another pro to the skiff is that, like Samuel said, if it gets caught in like a sandbar or a like oyster bed or something, you can get it out of said um, area easier because of how you know easy it is to push and how flat it is, which is important. But the cons of a skiff is. Um, when the wave, when they're, if they're like big waves, what happens is it's easy to like to get over the boat. It can and, capsize your boat, like your yeah. boat could flip over. And it, and it can't break through waves because yeah. it's flat. That's why V bottoms are good for offshore, is because when they go in those waves, they cut through them. They don't like try and go over them. Right, and Isaac, I know whether you say you don't have the slightest idea. Um, of boats but i know that you and i have you so have you ever been to have you guys ever been to a boat ramp before uh yeah okay so when you go to the boat ramp do you ever see people loading you know taking their boats out of the water or putting their boats in the water uh yeah okay so (laughs) is that what a boat ramp's for i mean yes but i mean you don't you could go there and there could be literally no one there i mean you don't know so Uh, well not this boat ramp well okay you know, when I, so before... I know we all, I know we're all thinking of the same boat ramp. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's the only one that's really near us. Anyway, well, that's not true. Anyway, um, 
back in 2020, I was actually taking a class to get my captain's license. Well, it got canceled because of, we know, and my uh, teacher, who was a retired Navy captain, used to tell us that if we ever want to go have a good time, we should go grab our lunch, go sit by the boat ramp, and watch people load and unload and unload their boats, because it truly is hilarious i'm sure there are some spectacles for sure yes i've seen people not raise their motor their motor enough and their rotor just or the the propeller just scraping the bottom of the of the ground all the way up and you just oh so they don't notice it's like nails on a chalkboard and i've also seen i last time i went i just saw these people screaming at each other trying to make sure that uh, when they were trying to get their boat on, which actually it's not really funny. I understand because it's a stressful process, but what I wanted to say was that example of the, um, the, the propeller scraping against that concrete going up is the exact potential, probably worse. Like you were saying, Porter, if you have a V bottom, when you're running across ground, because if you really, you got, if you think about it, you are pushing your boat, against the ground and not only the ground but you also have the potential of that propeller scraping across whatever that is that you're going that that you're running into as well and that's why you have to be very cognizant of where you're going in your boat because fine you could go over an oyster bed and it may not do that much to the bottom but if you if that propeller goes right through that's gonna definitely do damage to your motor and i've seen plenty of videos too and you can see on youtube of people running grounds with big boats and it's not it is not fun like um you guys know the big the really big boats um well that's i don't know where i was going with that but there's times where when people have those v bottoms or big boats and they run aground they have to wait six hours to even leave because there's because with that tide they have to wait for the tide to change in order to even get off of the ground. So you have to be very careful about where you go and where you drive. The more you know. The more you know. So, Porter, I would like you to do the offshore segment. The offshore? Yeah, what boats should we have when we go offshore fishing? Well, I mean, if it's a really nice, slick day, then you could do any boat realistically. But if it's like there's a little bit of some wind out there, the waves are you know picking up a little bit, I'd definitely say a V-bottom boat at, at minimum because of the sake of the waves. Because when we went when we went offshore fishing, the waves were huge going out there. Yeah. And the boat we were in still, it was like we're going up and down. The waves were splashing us still. I mean... Um, I felt kind of nauseous when we were going out there. but once well, That's natural. Yeah. But once we started hooking in the fish, it was like it all went away. But yeah. continue. But, yeah, the... The V-bottoms are the best ones to do because they can cut through the waves, which a skiff cannot because it's flat. Right. And like we were saying earlier, it will capsize the skiff if you go into, like, the inlet and, you know, big waves are Some crashing. days when it's not flat, yeah. Which is very rare if it's flat. I've heard – so um, – and we're going to get right back to you, but you're talking about capsizing. One of my buddies, and I'm pretty sure if he's listening, what's up, dude um, – he was going in the Chesapeake Bay, and we've we've seen it, you know, when we were going to Philly, yeah. going under the bridge, and he was in a John boat, um, going in the Chesapeake, and they were going 
uh, towards the bridge. And I don't know if it's the size of the waves. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's when they were... So, you know, in a skiff, usually when you have waves, instead of being able to go through it, you literally coast over it in the side. Or you just have a lot of guts and you just go straight through it and hope for the best. But he was going in, and I don't know if it's they didn't coast or they... Yeah, they didn't coast. And this wave comes in, and it picks the John boat up, and it literally almost flips over. But So it doesn't flip over, but they all fall out of the boat. And I don't know. That story was just crazy. So I think boats are really fun, but the message I hope that listeners and we all get out of this is that boats can't if you don't know what you're doing a boat can be dangerous if you're not cognizant of what's going on around you um how big were the waves uh okay i didn't ask but they are so much fun you just have to be careful because um it's a big investment and it's like driving a car it's like driving a car um and you just want to protect every and protect and keep everyone out of harm's way around you so yeah uh, continue with the offshore segment, Porter. Sorry. So, like we were saying, with the waves and everything, having a V-bottom is very important because you can obviously cut through the waves. And also, they're a lot bulkier, so they're a lot they're a lot heavier. So they're able to, I guess, take more of a hit. If they that makes displace sense. they displace more water than a skiff would. Yeah, and also, um, that's really all that I know of of V-bottoms. Their advantages. And I guess that they can handle more horsepower. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, I would think so. I've never seen a skiff with like four, one, one, four 250s on the back of it. At the same time, it also depends on the size. So yeah. the thing, thing with V-bottoms is that they actually can get – they're actually a wider variety of those in terms of uh, length. Like there could be V-bottoms that are 18 feet and there could be V-bottoms that are 36 feet. And um, V-bottom – oh, yes. And uh, – I mean, you could even get V-bottoms that are, like, 14 feet. I've seen really small ones that are, like, two-seaters with barely any room up front. But Yeah. Um, I don't know why you'd need the V-bottom, though. I don't know. Because they're, um, like, micro-skiffs that I've, been look- that I've been looking at that are pretty interesting. Those are – micro-skiffs are awesome, especially if you want to go beach fishing. It's a really nice – like, instead of just kay- – I'm don't get me wrong. Kayak fishing is a lot of fun. I'm talking about, like, a legit Carolina skiff that's, like, 14 feet. Oh, oh! I thought you were talking about the ones where um, you can see some YouTubers like I know a Thresher. guy he thresher fishing with a, almost like a micro paddleboard skiff. Those things were really cool. It's like just a kayak but with a motor in the back. Yeah. So Isaac, um, and so when we worked at Blue Ocean and we would see all those V-bottoms, those big boats um, – what, like, would that be a boat that you would want to own, you think, if you ever got into fishing? Uh, sure. Okay, because this next segment is going to be about uh, literally how much those boats cost. Because if you are looking to find a good boat, they can be from anywhere from the 10000 range to over $5 million. And that's yeah. for the sport fishers. But... Um, and I think a boat, like I said, is an investment and it is something that you want to, you know, do maintenance on, keep up with it. And, you know, the boats that Porter and I were listing, you know, those were, those were not cheap boats. 
But inshore boats, I mean, those are probably around, I'd probably say 30 grand, would you think? That's a pretty... That's that's still so expensive. I know, but if you compare it to our offshore boat, that's like that's like chunk change. It's like yeah, that's like four hundred thousand dollars for what yeah. we wanted. And a sport, and if you want like a, in terms of cars, like the inshore fish we're talking about is like a Subaru. The, that's like a like a like a mid a mid year Toyota Tacoma, and then the big boy boat is like a is like a Ferrari. It's like a Ford Velociraptor eight wheeler with like custom aftermarket everything and then like a sport fisher is like the bugatti of yeah. the boating Gosh. industry they're they're crazy expensive but they're really awesome to look at if you ever have a waterfront near you uh, i saw michael jordan yeah his boat catch 23 uh we recommend you guys go down to your local marinas and see the boats because they are truly on an engineering standpoint are like a work of art yeah they're interesting to look at they are really cool um especially those navy boats but also, if you ever want to get a boat, just realize the water that you're in. Um, just look up inshore, offshore, and do your research. Um, but I think that's actually like a fun research to do to see what boat you might want to get. Yeah, the same. Yeah, I mean to say that a boat is five million dollars is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, especially seeing. Um, but that's probably that's more expensive than a couple that like three houses like you could get three houses but instead you decide to buy a boat it's it is pretty insane it's but well and we're not going to count yachts as the boat but because it's not fishing oriented. right but it doesn't matter what type of boat you have you and just like with cars with any type of machinery it is crucial for you to do preventative maintenance and any type of maintenance on it whether it's you know, clean, cleaning it, flushing the motor after you get done, taking it out, um, checking your your harness, you know, your wiring, your electrical, um, and I, I think we can all attest to that, especially with our boat. Um, when I was fixing it with my buddy Walker, shout out to you, Walker, if you're listening, he taught me a lot and. More and also, I mean, I'm taking classes at the community college about preventative maintenance, whether it's with your car, your boat, a truck, anything. And shout out to all my teachers there; you guys are amazing, and they are teaching me so much um, about this topic. But preventative maintenance can literally add so many years to whether it's your boat, car, or piece of machinery, and it's crucial for whatever you have. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's an investment, you're going to want to take care of it. Yeah. And like I said, like it could be anything from just cleaning your boat and flushing it and replacing parts in your motor, replacing, excuse me, replacing, um, you know, switches, just taking really good care of your boat. And I think this is also a really important topic because boats can be a lot of work and they are a lot of work yeah they do take a while to clean like when we were just cleaning our boat alone takes probably solid hour hour and a half and thinking about imagine cleaning a boat like five times that size it's a lot of work especially with it being so much more expensive and having so much more expensive things on it yeah i think it's a lot of pressure to you know surveillance and like keep a really close eye on how clean the boat is because when you clean it that's what's going to make 
you know, the next trip, you know, just as good. Because if you have a clean boat, it's going to be a good ride. But if it's, it's less be... work when exactly. you're on your neck. Because it would be really frustrating to not clean your boat and then go out, clean it before you go. Like, you have to wake up so much earlier. And I, I think it's important to add that you have to get up early because, like you said, those big sport fishers... Those things are not just like a quick hose down, you know, and then let that water drain. It's you have like to scrub it down. This whole thing, especially when it's a big day of fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like all the blood from the fish and like scales and stuff. Oh, it could take hours. Some boats, I'm sure it takes hours. So it's important. Especially if you don't have access to like a power washer that can really spray it down with pressurized stuff. Because that can really get like the 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 dirty stuff and off. The scale. Like, yeah. And especially... Um, you know, and I'm. This is logic. If you don't clean your boat, and you have you flipping so many fish, you're having a successful day. That thing will smell. It's terrible. It will smell terrible. And I don't know if this can also happen, but like the blood and stuff that might be able to get in the boat, and it could mess it up. I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm just going off of just assumptions. I'm It'll just, stain your boat, and you got to scrape it off, and that's yeah. a pain. So. And also just like the look, like when people look at your boat, you want people to look at it like, oh man, that's such a cool boat. Instead of like, ugh. But you know, I guess. That looks like it's been used for, it hasn't been used in like 20 years. Yeah. But with that note, cleaning, definitely something that you need to be, be doing with your preventive maintenance. Number two is inspecting. And I mean, you don't even have to replace it yourself if you don't know how to do it, but I do recommend learning how to replace it because it'll save you a lot of money in the long run. Yeah. But inspect all of your uh, mechanical, I guess not dev- – no. Your like equipment, your me- like your, all the stuff that runs the boat. Yeah, your I guess your equipment. Like for us in skiffs, a lot of them is wiring harnesses and uh, usually all the wires that run to your de- – not I guess it would be called your dash with your swishes, switches, your meters um, – your tilt and trim or tilt and trim your i think it's tilt and trim and then you know your um your lever that helps you accelerate go in neutral and reverse Mm -hmm. all your steering components make sure that you take good care of them and 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 check them uh i probably say like once a month especially if you go out you need to do it a lot because if you think about it you're in salt water well if you're in salt water you are when you're out there it's all getting pelted by salt. And yeah. what does salt do to metal? Rusts. It rusts. And that's what happened with our boat, right? It had like a one yep. of the so wires was messed what up. What was hap- what happened to our boat was and I don't I forgot the year of it. I'm pretty sure it's like 2010, 2011, 2013, something think? like that. But whatever year it was, so the older boat. The wiring harness, yeah, so the wiring harness that connects to our motor that runs into the dash uh, was corroded, and I don't know if it was rusty. It was just really corroded on the bottom. Didn't it fall apart, or like didn't like it cause it to? So fall apart, the, the electrical table's falling apart, but um, we had to get a whole new wiring harness uh, for the for it. But corrosion and rust is really common on saltwater boats because you're in saltwater, like. If to give you a better perspective, living out here in the salt water, it makes like metal things inside your house rust. Like, like it's just it's salt is in the air. It's always pe- there. 
like when we're going over to the beach, people's like generators, well not generators, but like their AC units and stuff. They're rusted. Rusted. Yeah. And like the the metal stuff on their house, like right. the the not the frame, but like the poles and stuff that they had, like the met, like there's someone with the flagpole, and their house. Oh yeah. And like the whole thing is just brown from rust. And then the another thing, especially checking, you know, you want to check your mechanical hardware from your dash to your uh, to your motor, and then with that and cleaning, another really really important thing to go. And this goes hand in hand uh, with cleaning and your motor. But after you get done with a trip, it is very important to flush your motor. Because it gets all that, I'm assuming it would be that dirty salt water and sediment that... And sand too. And sand that gets in your in, in your motor and you want to make sure that you flush that out. Especially for skiffs, if you get caught in the sand and you run, and you get, and you run aground, yeah. sometimes your motor is going to kick up the sand and it might get in your motor. Right. Which is where cleaning out is very important because, correct me if I'm wrong, but it like, it, if there's a lot of buildup, it like stops it from rotating again? Is that what it does? I like would it assume so. It or it would be like almost like a fishing rod where it grinds on the gears and things just start to prematurely wear down. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it is... A hundred dollars per horsepower for an engine. Yes, it's a hundred dollars per horsepower. Is it really? Yep. I did not know that. So if you have a one hundred fifty horsepower engine, that's fifteen thousand dollars. Right. That's a lot. So you want to make sure that you take good care of that. Yeah. That. That's um. That's a lot. That's a lot to deal with, especially if you damage it. Yeah. That's gonna be a pretty penny to pay for. Oh my goodness, boats boats are expensive, but if you take good care of it, it will last a long time. Yeah. So with that, guys, uh, we will definitely be talking more about boats as episodes come out because I mean, I mean, you can't fish without a boat, but boats are always fun to have while fishing. So um, from all of us here in the studio, uh, God bless y'all, and we will see you on the other side.